Welcome to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. Each week, Keith Perrin will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message. If you have a Bible, you can read along with us. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith. If you would get your Bibles, open them up to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20. This may be one of the strangest Christmas messages you've ever heard in your life. Figure I'll save the Christmas story message for next week, but this is a Christmas story with a twist. Occasionally, I'll stand up here and I'll make one shocking statement. Now, I'm going to preface this statement that I'm about to make that is a shocking statement or might be a shocking statement to, to some of you. By saying, hear me out, don't get up and run off. I hate Christmas. Now, now let me explain. How many of you guys know that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th? Um, Some historians say he was actually born in the spring. Some historians say he was born in September. Now, I don't want anybody to get upset at me and say, we aren't supposed to celebrate Christmas. That's not where this is going. Okay? Um, The Catholic Church, back in the 4th century, we're talking a long time ago, they figured that it was about time that they set a celebration for the birth of Jesus. His birth had never been celebrated before. They decided it was time to celebrate. Guess how they celebrated it? Getting drunk, having buildings full of people who, child sensitivity, fornicated, um, fights, riots. Did you know in the United States, they actually made it illegal? And then in in England, they made it illegal in the 1600s to celebrate Christmas because it got so out of control. Did you know that the New York Police Department was established as a result of a Christmas celebration? Facts. There was a riot they couldn't get control of. And they started the New York Police Department based on a riot that happened the previous Christmas. They stopped having it. Until, I think it was 1860. 1860, it became a federal holiday. It began to change what, uh, how it was celebrated. Um, it became more family-centered. It became more um, Christ-centered. It became more about giving than it did about receiving. And this is what we're headed to. Um, at the at the end of this message, the Catholic Church established it on December the twenty fifth because that was when the winter solstice was celebrated. That's when three other known pagan holidays were being celebrated. So the entire purpose behind it being on December the twenty fifth was to try to pull attention away from pagan holidays and and just change it to squash out the pagan holidays. Well, guess what? Guess what? It was successful. You don't hear you hear very little about the pagan holidays on December the twenty fifth anymore. December the twenty fifth is about what? It's about Christmas. 
Yay, Christmas. What's Christmas in the United States? How do we celebrate it? We go to Walmart, be mean to people. Right? We fight other people for items that there aren't enough of to go around. It's it's marketing. Families. How many of you love Christmas? Uh, who's going where and when? These are issues. And individuals, until you get married and you have families, you really don't realize how big of an issue the, the, this creates. One family wants Christmas. One family wants Christmas Eve. I've dealt with a lot of divided families, and oh my goodness, you really got a problem. Then they start having to divide days. We'll go Christmas Eve over here, and then we'll leave it. We'll eat lunch, and then we'll leave at 2 in order to be over here at 3 and celebrate Christmas Eve here, and then Christmas is, and everybody's mad if, if everybody don't get their way. Just how much Jesus is there in Christmas? Now, I'm not going to say there's anything wrong with the traditions that we've established. Most of the traditions that we've established are built around God-centered things. The Christmas tree. It's an evergreen. It symbolizes eternal life. You'll hear some people out there, oh, no, don't get a Christmas tree, that's pagan. No, Christmas tree's not pagan. In Germany, it was literally used first. We actually adopted that from Germany. Germany cut a Christmas tree and put it in their house because it symbolized eternal life. It's an evergreen. That classification of trees is the only classification of tree that will stay green throughout the entire year. There are other traditions that I won't get into too much for reasons that you probably can figure out. But even those traditions were based on uh, were based on God-centered things. But I remember growing up, the one thing that was on my mind more than anything else was what am I going to get? And it's not bad to get only because it's better that it was given. In this particular passage of Scripture, Paul is having a conversation with the church leaders in Ephesus. And I want you to pay close attention as we go through this. These church leaders believe that this is the last time they'll see Paul. Christianity, the birth of Jesus, the life that we celebrate that promises us eternal life and promises us life at its fullest, is not a life without its problems. It's not a life without its troubles. And I'm not talking about the problems and the troubles that come from the fallen world. I'm talking about the problems and the troubles of being a genuine believer in Jesus Christ. We celebrate the baby born to die. We know that we've been called into the life that he has given to die ourselves. To give. Not money, not just money, not just possessions, not just things, but our very breath of life we've been called to give. 
Paul shares some of his struggles here as he speaks to the individuals from Ephesus. And I want us to pay close attention <clears throat> to what it is that he says, uh, what he says in these verses. In Acts chapter 20, starting with verse 17, it says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not surprised that Paul got it. As a result of the birth of this baby, the celebration is a worthy celebration, but the life that he's called us to is a life that is not only hard, but in the world we live in today is growing more and more difficult. It should be harder. Why? Because Christ gave his life for us that we may give our life for others. That means teaching things that are profitable. That means taking advantage of the opportunities that we have to take the gospel to the lost and dying world. It's one of those bittersweet things. It's sweet that we celebrate the baby that brought us life and brings life to everyone who believes. But it's bitter. Because we don't celebrate around a Christmas tree. We don't celebrate around a table. We don't celebrate one day a year, or even two. We celebrate 365 days a year. And how? By suffering. You say, well, wow, preacher, you can sure suck the fun out of Christmas in a heartbeat. No, because the paradigm is this. I should say the assumed paradigm is this. Jesus gave us life that we may give it back. The Bible repeatedly tells us that we're supposed to be individuals who die to ourselves and live to Christ. But the Bible also says that Jesus Christ came not just to bring life, but to bring it more abundant or at its fullest. This really isn't a paradigm. The reason being, life at its fullest, being in a Christ-centered relationship, gives us the joy, the peace, and the comfort in being the people who are going to say things and do things that are not celebrated by the fallen world. I've used 
um, stories that I've told before about when I went to people's doors and knocked on them. And when I first started doing that, I didn't get it. Because I would get the door slammed in my face, or I would get somebody saying some pretty foul words to me as they slammed the door in my face, and I would walk away from that house with my chin down and really felt like I just got beaten. And it took me a while to realize that the gospel can't lose. To be able to one day walk away from a door where the door had been slammed in your face victoriously. Not bummed out, depressed because of the way that somebody treated you, but victoriously. Because, folks, God did not call us to save people. He just called us to tell people the story that has the power to save people. And the story is about Jesus. Paul speaks throughout all of the New Testament and the letters that he wrote of all of the times that he was imprisoned, all of the times that he was beaten, all of the times that he was mocked, all of the times that people sought out his life. What was the one thing that happened that provoked every one of those things that happened to Paul? It was the birth of that baby. We celebrate the life. We celebrate the birth because of all that he has given us. But the time has far passed for us to be individuals who only hang on, you who, I'm happy because Christmas time's here and we're all going to get something. I want to be clear. Absolutely celebrate Christmas. Absolutely be happy about Christmas. But don't think that Christmas is one or two days a year where we get together with family members, eat good food, and open presents. It's not about what we get. This life that Christ has called us to is about what we give. You know, there are politicians in Washington right now trying to figure out how to take churches off of the tax-exempt list. You know why? Because it's an untapped resource. It's more money. And I'm here to tell you that the Christian faith in this country gives more money. Uh, the gospel's free. Delivering it's not. Do you hear me? The gospel is free. Delivering it is not. It's not free to turn the lights on. It's not free to run gas. It's not free to pay for ministries. It's not free to pay for ministers. It's not free to pay for insurance. It's not free under no circumstances is it free to deliver the message. I believe, and this is an opinion, I would have to look up some facts to be able to to affirm this, but I believe that the church is probably the most giving institution in the world. And it does that well. 
Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year. I think their goal is $140 million. 4,000 missionaries we keep across the globe. Clothed, fed. For what reason? So that they can proclaim the gospel to the world. Those people, some of them in what they call black zones, blackout zones, who can't even call home, who can't receive any letters for fear that the government government may intercept them, can't send emails for fear that the government may intercept them. If they're found out, it could literally cost them their life. How do they celebrate the birth of this baby? By proclaiming the gospel. By proclaiming the gospel regardless of the cost. So they receive, but what do they do as a result? They give. Verse 22 says, And now behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. You'll notice in 22 he said that he's bound in spirit. Paul wasn't a perfect man. Paul was brought to the brink every day to make a choice. The choice was he could live happy according to the world's standards and he could live well. Or he could be faithful to the Holy Spirit and through being faithful to the Holy Spirit, putting himself in danger every day of his life. He says the Spirit told him here. He said, you're going to Jerusalem. And what, what did he say? Holy Spirit tells me that bonds and afflictions await me. Twenty-four, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. I've had people who have argued this with me before. Well, if I don't share the gospel with someone, someone else will. I know a lot of people who have said those words to me. How many of us can say, with the people that we are around on a regular basis, day to day, week to week, month to month, how many of us can say, that I am innocent of the blood of all men. In other words, through my faithful, effectual obedience to God, through my compassion for mankind, 
I am innocent of all man's blood because I have declared everywhere that I went the salvation of Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. If this is what Paul says, and we're not people who are out there proclaiming the message, does that mean that we have blood on our hands? Yes, it does. This was a very difficult message for me to think through in my mind because there's two things here, and I don't want people to to be confused about this. I want you to know that Christmas is absolutely to be celebrated. But it's not something we just celebrate by doing what we do two days out of a year. Christmas is what we celebrate by every day that we wake up. Every day our our feet hit the floor. Every day that we do what we do, we celebrate the birth of Jesus through every word we speak and through every act that we carry out. I don't know if you can tell in these verses, but Paul almost seems heartbroken. I know that it's being received in a very heartbroken manner. But this is Paul, very much like he wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, when he knew that there was a really good chance that he would not get out of prison in Rome but that he was going to pay the price and Nero was going to make sure that it happened. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. I really don't think that many of us think about the fact that every one of us have an expiration date. And we spend our time making a whole lot of things important. But where does Jesus settle in that list? Made myself mad yesterday. Yep. I made myself mad yesterday. That's when you know you're good at making somebody mad. When you make yourself mad. Putting Christmas lights up, <clears throat> and I'm putting them up late. And I really don't like putting Christmas lights up. It just seems to me like, and if I do put them up, I would rather put them up like right at the end of November because then they're up for a month before you have to take them down again. And taking them down is almost as tedious as putting them up. It's just one of those things. But when I do, do when I do something... Um, those who know me very well know that I have OCD. Um, it's a good thing I have ADHD. I have everything the way that I want it, just don't have to stay that way very long. But I have OCD. And just like everybody else, I imagine, pull some Christmas lights out, you plug them in to make sure they work before you hang them, and undoubtedly you always come to that strand that doesn't work. Well, around our house, we had just the amount we needed to be able to stretch across the front of the house. And I had one strand that didn't work. This will not do. You cannot have 
unless there's some way I could arrange in my brain to put other lights, to kind of put them in the center and stretch those other ones out, or I have to do something that makes sense to me, or I'm not happy. So I decided yesterday I need to go on the hunt for Christmas lights. I went to Festus, to Walmart. They didn't have them. Well, I had some lights at the house I thought I could make work, so I thought, hey, I'll just get some hangers. They didn't have them. Well, I just let it be and went home and was happy. Nope. Went to Lowe's. We were kind of in a hurry. Had things we had to get back home for. Marty Martin walks in the door of the Lowe's. We get... Ours, Kenny, Kenny Sims first walks into the Lowe's. Kenny and, and uh, Donna, his wife. And, of course, we're standing there at the doorway, and it's my own fault. I get stuck. I can't help it. I talk. Kenny does, too. It's twice as bad when me and him run into each other somewhere. And I'm trying to figure out ways to kind of pull away, and I think that him and Donna are probably trying to figure out ways to pull away, too. And then Marty Martin comes in the door. Used to be a referee over at the ballpark, over at the park. Uh, so we get stuck there a little bit longer. Look for Christmas lights. We find some Christmas lights, but they're not the ones I was looking for. Then last night when I got home, it dawned on me. How easy is it for me to be deterred from even studying the Bible? How easy it, is it for me to be deterred from taking one extra step Share the gospel with someone. Because all these other things were calculated. My time. The fuel spent. And I'm here to tell you that Hemi 5.7, as much as, much as people like to brag on those things, they like gas. So the gas. The feeling of needing to rush because you got to get back home. And all of these things, knowing what it was going to cost me, I was willing to do it for Christmas lights. To be someone who is faithful and obedient to the birth of this child, it's going to cost. It's going to cost comfort. In some cases, it's going to cost dignity. It's going to cost time. It's going to cost money. And it could one day cost your very life. How much are we willing to pay to be able to say, I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Verse 28 says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 
And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Something I've noticed in churches a long time ago was I noticed this since I was young. I would say probably an early teenager. For a while, it actually bugged me and had the had the possibility of actually turning me away from church altogether. And that was this idea of stature inside churches. And and it may have just been the circumstances that I'd seen, that I'd witnessed, that I'd been around, but everybody was after a title. Because the title brought with it prestige. And one of my own youths in their youth department, in, in our in the youth department that I was a youth pastor in, in her words, you're a deacon. That's power. Truthfully, that's why you hear me stand up here and explain quite often that being a pastor puts me on the bottom of the totem pole, not the top. Being a deacon puts you down there with me, not at the top. When we do the Lord's Supper, the deacons serve the people, the pastor serves the deacons. But it seems that that's what everybody that I knew at that time was doing that was chasing titles. Because the perception of what the title brought about was better than the responsibility. The responsibility is be on your guard. <clears throat> 19 years of ministry here. And I've been through the fire a few times. Removing people from positions when it was unpopular by some. Demanding people's resignation letters because of their unrepentant actions. There's not only a cost of souls if we are unfaithful in celebrating correctly the birth of this baby. There was also the loss of disciples. Anybody want to guess how many people we baptized in 19 years? 246. Where are they? Don't get me wrong. Some of them accepted Christ, accepted their gift, moved on to employ that gift in other places. Some people moved away. There are genuinely valid reasons that some of the people left, but do you want to hear something that should be shocking to all of us? 
over half of those people were driven out. Because to the people who drove them out, it was more important to receive than to give. Verse 31 says, Therefore be on the alert, remembering that night and day, for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I commend you to God to be the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. And everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I thought to myself, I've always known that passage of scripture was there, but you would think that that phrase would be repeated over and over again if it was that important of a phrase. Then I began to think. John 3.16. First eight words. For God so loved the world, he gave. God could have demanded that he receive instead. He could have demanded that we as individuals give him everything in order to purchase our salvation. But instead, he purchased it a different way. Paul mentioned it a few verses ago. He purchased each and every one of us through the blood of his son, who he gave freely to sacrifice himself. Jesus... He could have lived that 33 and a half years of his life and said, hey, that's good enough. But when the disciples wanted Jesus to stay or not to go, what was Jesus' response to them? If I stay, I cannot send. But if I go, I will give you the Spirit. What would you do about God's promises? What would you do without them? There must have been some benefit to him. Otherwise, he would not have given them to us. In reality, what do we have that was not given to us from God? I believe it was James who said that every good gift comes from God. So when you celebrate Christmas this year, I do want you to celebrate it because it is so worthy of celebration.
And there's nothing wrong with giving gifts to people. There's nothing wrong with receiving them. Although I thought it was the strangest thing I ever seen, I had an aunt in Arkansas who every Christmas when she gave us gifts, she seemed to be more tickled by us opening ours than she did by anything else that she could get. Especially as a young person, I just thought that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. I know that this aunt was a believer in Jesus. And I believe that in her life, she had grasped the concept. Celebrate with your family. But don't do it without asking why. Because God gave them to you. Celebrate your life. But don't do it without asking why. Because God gave it to you. And everything that we have as Christian families, where would we be without the first gift that was ever given? In Christianity. Every candlelight service. <clears throat> I always ask this question. Testify. What are you thankful for that you have that you would have never received had it not been for that baby? And if you sit down and really think about that question, there are a whole lot of things in life to celebrate. But don't be that simplistic. It's okay to do that. Just don't be that simplistic. What did it take to get that gift to you? And now I'm not just talking about the baby. The baby was, baby Jesus was the gift that set it all off. That's what set it in motion. But you sit here today because there was a Paul in your life. There was a Paul in your life who did not disregard the responsibility, but understood the genuine purpose of the gift that was given and celebrated it by being faithful and obedient and that person who brought the gospel message to you, he didn't come by that just because he walked into the right wind stream. Somebody brought it to them. And before them, and before them, and before them, traced all the way back to the birth of that baby in the manger. So my question is in this life. Who are you, Paul, to? We've reaped the blessings. We've reaped the benefits. We understand how we got them and how they came to us. Are we willing to truly celebrate Jesus by living the life that brings those same gifts to others?
celebrate, eat, open presents, fellowship, put up a tree, make it pretty, hang lights on your house, do it all. But in everything that you do, do it to the glory of God. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, prayer requests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We hope that this message was encouraging to all of our listeners. Have a blessed week.